it's simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike show, uh, Mandy Thomas-Moth, a singer, songwriter, and vocal coach. Uh, Mandy has also appeared on season 18 of The Voice and has become nat- known nationally as part of uh, Team Kelly. So welcome to the show, Mandy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you also uh, for being here. So let's uh, jump right into your story. And do you want to start by um, telling everyone a little bit about where you grew up and where you now call home? All right. Well, I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Bartlett's like a smaller suburb area of Memphis, and that's where I was uh, raised. And I went to Bartlett High School, and then I uh, stayed in Tennessee for college and got my vocal performance degree. Um, I've always been rooted in music my entire life. And I knew, I started voice lessons myself when I was 11. So I knew then, because I had such a great teacher that that's what I wanted to do with my life, along with performing and singing myself. Um, And then I went to college and I moved back home to uh, continue teaching and making a career out of that. So uh, that's that's where I am right now, still doing the same thing. What was some of your uh, favorite things to do kind of growing up? Well, I was <laughs> I was one of the kids that tried a little bit of everything. Um, I took 14 years of dance, so pretty good at that, I guess. But I, I cheered, I did karate, the whole baseball and t-ball thing, and then uh, as I got a little older, singing is kind of what stuck, and then that's that's where I stayed. So it's worked out pretty good for me so far. <laughs> now, now, did your parents in, uh, encourage you to try uh, lots of different activities, or is it just something that uh, kind of happened as you, maybe as you were surrounded by probably um, people that became your friends when you were in school? Um, I would have to say the dance lessons. I started dance when I was two. And so like music is heavily incorporated in dance. So that just grew my love for music and everything. And then I did little choir things at school when I was younger. And so I always enjoyed singing. And then we just tried to do the singing lessons one day. And um, my voice teacher, (laughs) I was not really that good but she made me really confident uh to where I wanted to work harder and be the best I could be at singing so that ended up taking me places I got a full ride to college I've gotten to travel the world because of it and obviously I got to be on the voice because of it so I don't know it's my family's always been super supportive of me doing music and um since I found a way to make a career out of it too, um, they're even more supportive. So that's good. Do you come from a family uh, with a history in uh, performance and singing and in the entertainment industry as a whole, or are you the first one? I would say I'm the first one to go on and do anything with it, but my uncle and my grandpa and everyone, uh, not my parents, they weren't very musically inclined, but uh, you know, they can fake it along with us just to have something to share with my brother and I, we're the singers of the family. So 
Um, but yeah, I think my uncle is probably the one that really pushed for me to get out there and start singing. And it was like this country music line dancing place I grew up going to called The Strand. And that's in uh, Millington, Tennessee. And it, it's recently closed. I'm so sad about that. But that was, I mean, that's pretty much what molded me with my musical endeavors. Talk to us a little bit more about the like the dance component. Component like what kind of uh, styles of dance did you learn? Maybe certain competitions that you maybe went to if you did it competitively. Okay, um, when I started dance, it just started with the basic like tap, jazz, and ballet and things like that. And as I got older, I learned that I was actually pretty good at tapping. Um, so I I kind of focused on that a little more. And I did do a few competitions uh, growing up at like local fairs and stuff. And I did pretty well with it. But as I was doing these competitions, I did see other people competing with singing instead. And so that's kind of what opened my eyes to uh, more than just dance. So that's about the time I started my lessons and I never looked back. I kind of just left dance in the background. And, uh, and started on the singing. What, what do you think dance uh, taught you about um, the aspect of performance? Uh, well, being on stage for the first time for me was with dancing and it was terrifying. Um, and I still to this day get nervous on any stage doing anything. Um, but it taught me a lot of discipline. It taught me a work ethic that you have to practice to be good at anything. And if you want to be the best, you have to practice even more. So practice makes perfect, but nobody's perfect. So you always want to keep achieving and working to be the best you can possibly be. Do you play any other musical instruments? I took a little bit of piano when I was in high school. I'm not a pianist by any means. I still get too scared to play in front of people when I perform, but I can play. I don't give myself enough credit, but I use it in my teaching a lot, you know? Um, and I, I very much encourage my students to take an instrument and start a little bit sooner than I did because I was just so focused on the singing at the time I started piano, but I mean, I can play a little bit of guitar, a little piano, a little ukulele. Um, and I just recently started taking bass lessons. So that's been pretty exciting. Cool. And is there a particular reason for that? Do you, do you think playing other musical instruments can add to somebody's overall performance ability? If we're taking your story of the singing and the vocals, especially. I think singers who are able to play an instrument for themselves have one up on everybody in the industry just because, I mean, trying to get gigs in uh, your own town or anywhere, actually, um, you have to pay each person that you bring along with you. So if you can play for yourself, that just, number one, it saves you a lot of money and it makes you look way more impressive. Hey. And just touching on that, considering that we're still in the middle of a pandemic, do you, do you think that's going to be a little bit more of the way forward, especially for smaller venues, being able to do more yourself versus having five, six people on stage? 
Yes, I think performing um, during the pandemic, and we still are not totally in the clear right now. And, you know, having, we had so many gigs taken away from us because if they do book someone, then that draws a crowd. So, um, but yeah, sometimes they like to put you in the corner of the room and just kind of be background music and being able to play for yourself instead of making room for, you know, five and six people on the stage. It's, it's way more beneficial, you know, for the venue booking you and, and for you to make all the money, you know, instead of just a little cut of it. Um, but yeah, hopefully we won't have to go back to that, um, around here in Memphis, they're talking about closing places again, just because of the variants that are spreading. So I really am crossing my fingers that that doesn't happen because, um, music is my livelihood and gigging and everything is helps, helps me pay my bills. So hopefully it doesn't get back to that. And so we're going to take a short pause and then uh, we'll be right back. And so uh, today's uh, tea fact for the episode is uh, the countries that produce the most tea, including China, Taiwan, Japan, India, Sri Lanka, and Kenya. And then there's also um, some emerging and less well-known uh, tea growing regions, uh, such as Colombia, Nepal, Georgia, the US, and the UK. And that comes from teahow.com, 100 Facts About Tea. So it's always interesting uh, to, 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 to learn a little bit about uh, tea for me, being from England, and, and also how the industry is growing and just like quirky little things. That's awesome. <laughs> do, do you like tea? I do love tea, especially, you know, being a singer, we drink tea all the time with honey and lemon. Um, I think mint tea is probably my favorite it's the most effective for me anyway hey so then what's uh, you, you kind of mentioned honey but like what is the uh, the best tea mix or combination in your in your opinion for helping with the, with the vocals with vocals i just do mint tea honey and lemon and you know if that's not sweet enough for you maybe like a little sugar substitute packet you know but I don't, I don't drink warm tea that much unless I feel like my throat needs it, but, you know, being from the South and <laughs> Tennessee, um, we love our sweet tea, our iced sweet tea. So yes. I don't know if that's a thing over there. <laughs> Less but. so. So what is one piece of music or an artist that you kind of remember from your childhood and why? I would have to say starting out because I was classically trained in like opera and stuff. I would say Phantom of the Opera had a pretty, pretty big impact on me um, in terms of the direction I wanted to go because they, it's not just opera that kind of mix pop into it. I would call it pop opera, pop opera, whatever, you know, and musical theater. And that kind of like opened me to trying a bunch of different things vocally and then being raised on country also, you know, I got to do a little bit of everything my whole life, but I would say with my training and what I'm built to do, I would say Phantom of the Opera. So what concerts, if any, did you go to uh, when you were growing up and then how did they impact you? My very first concert was Celine Dion. <laughs> 
and she has had the biggest impact on me vocally um, as a singer, like as watching another singer. I've learned so much from her and I've molded a lot of how I sing after her and how I teach my students and everything also. So um, she she's she's an alien. She's a robot. I don't know how she does what she does, but she has always been the best in my eyes, along with Whitney Houston. I'm going to put Whitney in there as well. Um, but between the two of them, I pretty much learned everything about pop that I needed to know. Nice. Can you give some uh, some specific examples of maybe some like traits that you've learned from them, or certain skills or tools to help the voice? Uh, with Celine Dion, I would say it's control and breathing. Um, Whitney Houston, I would say it's putting emotion into your singing, for sure. Uh, that's that's what she was best at, and. I don't know how trained Whitney Houston was, but she just had this natural gift that just, you know, she could sing and you could just see her heart while she sang. And Celine Dion is the one that does all of the very technical things that are really difficult to do. So being able to mix the technicality of things with the emotion, it's, it's very rare for singers to be able to do that. And that's what I try and teach my students. Oh, to kind of get the balance. Yes. Yeah. You always need a balance as a singer um, because if there's no emotion there, then nobody really wants to listen to it. So Right. Then it's just words, isn't it? Right. What types of music and genres of music do you like kind of uh, listening to? Uh... People ask me this all the time and I never have a straight answer for them. Just because I was raised on everything. Like Memphis is known for the blues. You know, um, like Nashville is country and I'm in Tennessee and I was raised on country as well. But then the pop is what the fun stuff is and what's on the radio that you hear, you know, as a child growing up. So, I mean, I, I was very fortunate. And then I was trained classically. <laughs> so I was very fortunate to get a little bit of everything and not have to stick with just one genre all the time. Uh, I could have pursued a career as an opera singer, but I just wasn't happy doing just opera. You know, I, I love all of it so much. I, I even rap just a little bit too. So <laughs> I'm pretty well versed in everything, I guess. Uh, that's cool. Do you, do you have 10 to 15 seconds of something you can rap? Oh my gosh, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> of what? What do you want to hear? Absolutely anything. It doesn't matter. It's just cool. <clears throat> I haven't been awake that long. Um, I guess I'd like to go to like Celine Dion. She's always like my coach. Sure. So are you ready? This might be loud though. I'm a loud okay. singer. This is fine. <laughs> are you ready? Okay. There were nights when the wind was so cold that my body froze in bed. If I just listen to it right outside the window. Okay, that's all I have. That was amazing. I have not been awake very long and I'm not warmed up. Warming up is very important. There you go. So, so do you teach all of your uh, students, uh, vocal students, the importance of uh, warming up? Oh, yes, definitely. Every single lesson at the beginning, the first thing we do is warming up. And I've taught them to do that before their performances, even if it's in a bathroom or in a car or wherever they can go to do it. It's very important because I'm very big on vocal health, too.
And so how old were you when you first began singing in public? And, and back then, what types, of mu- what types of music did you sing? Uh, my very first performance, I think, was at a competition in Branson, Missouri called the Regency Competition. I don't know. And I sang some medley called the Songs Medley. It was just a very light vocal number. I was not a very strong singer at the time. But I do remember being so nervous that I just grabbed the side of my dress and I didn't let go of it and like in a fist until the song was over. I don't remember the performance. <laughs> I did not win. But it, that was the start for me for being on stage in front of people and singing. Some of the most challenging things about your first performance, well, seeing as you can't remember it, um, or maybe some of the earliest performances, and what did you learn from those experiences? I would say um, controlling your nerves is probably the biggest thing you have to learn because when you're dancing and you're nervous, it's totally fine um, as long as you remember your steps and you just keep going. When you're singing and you're nervous, it takes over your voice and it makes it shaky. It makes you crack in places that you normally wouldn't crack. And it also makes you forget words. So I would say singing nervous is probably the hardest thing for me. I believe that you're also a part of the Teens in Theater program. So can you tell us a little bit about this and some of the opportunities that you had through the program and kind of what you learned about yourself? I was actually in the Teens in Theater program for a very short time, but it was a very... It was a perfect time for me to be in there because of what they were offering at the time. Uh, I think I was about 16 when I did that. And they just, um, it's its mostly about theater only, but we did a lot of musical theater and singing with it too. But while I was in that program, they were doing a, a an exchange program with Scotland. And we got to go to Dundee, Scotland. And we got to incorporate a show into their theater with their teen program as well. And then when we were done over there, we were there for two weeks, I think. And then they got to come over here and perform in our theater and just, you know, kind of get a taste of America. And they pretty much stayed in Memphis the whole time they were here. But I'm still friends with a lot of them. And I'm 34 years old now. And so it's... It's been awesome watching them grow up and how their lives have turned out and seeing how many of them are still involved in theater and, you know, incorporating that into their life now. And you might not know this about me, but uh, theater was also a big part of uh, when I was growing up in uh, England, got to perform on a, a Georgian theater stage at the, by the Georgian Theater Royal. So that's going right all the way back to like 1788 with chandeliers and wooden um, that stages and and then I, also in stuff like sound of music and school productions and some shakespeare that type of thing and then i switched over to the uh, the technical side and got a diploma in theater and entertainment production and uh, i did that a little bit before switching kind of into media and communications and i i guess my favorite part about it all is it, it's just the magic and the people that you, that you meet on the journey and even even inside a week, the magic that you can create together from meeting on yeah. a Monday morning to performing on a Friday or a Saturday night. It's just incredible. It is awesome. Like 
being in the arts by itself provides you with so many opportunities that you would not have gotten, whether it just be traveling or performing in like the theater you got to do. I mean, that's those are once in a lifetime opportunities. And if you end up just sitting behind a desk typing on a computer, you don't get to experience those things. So I'm, I'm really glad I got to stay in the arts and have all of those experiences. 100% agree and to your point. Um, it, it is probably inside my top three memories of my life so far, and it will probably continue to be in the, t in the top three. I agree. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> because it's the fuel of the, and it's the finding that discovery of storytelling and that connection and people that is one small reason why, why I started uh, the Tea with Mike show along with a bunch of like other factors. Yeah, that's... I just, I wouldn't trade it for the world, honestly. I've gotten to do so many things because of being in the arts, so. And I'm gonna keep doing it. So just going back to your high school a little bit, um, what, what were some opportunities that you kind of had uh, to develop your skill sets in singing and performance? And then, and, and then was, it, was it challenging uh, balancing uh, your schoolwork with with that strong uh, performance side? Um, I was I was a pretty disciplined child in high school. Um, I didn't really get into the music as much as I, like at, at my highest peak until high school, but I was in a choir that was very, um, very competitive. We had a wonderful choir director, um, we would have six o'clock in the morning rehearsals, then go through our school day, have choir during the day, and then have choir rehearsal after school as well. So that's, it was super disciplined. Like we practiced all the time. That right there also gave me, you know, a work ethic. And if you told me if you want to be the best, you got to keep practicing. So I owe a lot of that to my choir director in high school, actually. Um, but balancing schoolwork with the music because I was so serious with the music. Uh, it, it was pretty hard. Uh, the, the last thing I would finish at night, I'd be 10 o'clock at night sitting in my bedroom practicing my choir music because I knew if I got it wrong, I would be punished, you know. <laughs> they don't slap us on the hand or anything, but, you know, just if you want the feature solos and if you want to be a leader in the choir, you have to be dependable. And that's, that's what I always did. But I, you know, cried many times <laughs> if I felt like I let someone down, you know, if I didn't practice enough. So I don't know. Um, getting on a tangent here, I guess, just, I don't know, balancing life and music. It, it's always, I would say it's been pretty easy for me, because I knew I wanted to put music first and I knew what I wanted to do after school. So, yeah, I did. I got good grades and did all of that and got into college with my good grades. But when I went to college, I did music. So it was pretty easy, I guess. High school then, I believe you went to Bethel University to study for a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Music and also and majoring in vocal performance. Obviously you've touched on it a bit, but can you expand on maybe why you chose uh, to study at this particular institution? 
Well, <laughs> that's not going to be the story you're hoping for. I had already had my mind up that I was going to one of three other colleges. I had scholarships. I had everything lined up. And then at the last minute, these representatives from Bethel come to our high school to speak with us. They said they were starting this new program, that we would get to travel a lot, and that was something I really wanted to do. They offered us a free laptop. <laughs> they also told us that um, music producers would be at all of our shows to hear us sing and things like that. And I'm not going to say it turned out exactly like that by any means, but it was a life-changing decision. I did get to travel most of the United States. They took us to Japan. And I really got to do all of that for free. Like, all I had to do was sing, and it was paid for. And that's that was amazing for me because my family is, is okay. You know, we're an average family, which is working class, and we don't have a ton of money to actually travel and to pay for one of the children to do things. I have two brothers also, so we wanted to have the same type of opportunities uh, but going to Bethel, uh, along with grants from the state and everything, everything got paid for, and it worked out for me, and I got to travel pretty much the world doing that. How did you learn about uh, your, yourself uh, dur uh, during uh, your time at Bethel, more on the personal side? On the personal side, uh, Bethel is actually a private college. You know, they're Cumberland Presbyterian. Um, got to, you know, get closer with Christ and really learn what I believed in and uh, this, the walk of life that I wanted to do while incorporating music into it. We sang at a lot of churches and everything. So I got to share my gift that God gave me with thousands of people, I mean, in my four years there. Um, and we got to raise money for the school so that they could keep doing things like that and they can afford to take students out uh, so this so that the students don't have to pay for it themselves. And we had many, many donors to the college because it was the only Cumberland Presbyterian College at the time. I don't know if it still is now, but um, that music program that I was part of started the year that I went. So I was one of the charter members. And we got to help mold it into what it was going to be. And they're still going strong um, now offering. They, what they'd like to brag on is that they like give musicians the same amount of scholarships that they give football players. Because, you know, sports always bring in the most money to schools. So, But with this school in particular, music actually brings in probably more than their sports do. So that was really cool getting to be a part of that. Can you tell us about the journey from uh, leaving university uh, to becoming a vocal coach and kind of some of the skills that you had to uh, develop along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I started voice lessons when I was 11, so I was still taking a little bit, you know, I was taking lessons, not a little bit, every single week when I was in high school. And I started teaching while I was in high school, starting helping out some of my friends in choir class that needed to do auditions, but maybe could not afford voice lessons. Uh, so I would help them with the things that I was learning through voice lessons so that they could get scholarships into college and everything. And it worked. It helped them. Um, and then I knew, I always knew I wanted to teach. So I, that's why I majored in music. Uh, but I still got to perform a lot myself. 
while in college. And being in college, I guess that helped me because um, I got to work with, say, while I was a junior or senior in college, part of my degree was working with other younger you know, freshmen and sophomores and teaching them. So I really got to figure out what kind of teacher I wanted to be and how I wanted to approach things while I was in college. And then once I got out of college, I immediately started teaching with a studio that I'm still with today. Uh, it was called E-Studio back then, but now it's called Visions Academy of Performing Arts. But um, I just asked the owner of the studio and she was like, yes, because she watched me growing up performing. And then being a vocal teacher is still always a learning process. Like doctors trying out new medicines with patients. We try out new methods with vocalists and students. So I'm still learning to this day and there's always updated uh, methods on teaching too. So I like to stay well-versed in all of that. It must be uh, quite rewarding uh, helping like hone the uh... Not that you're old, but the uh, the, 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 the next uh, generation and watching, even if you don't do it professionally or just watching someone grow and develop as like self-confidence. There's a lot of uh, hidden benefits to uh, performance and music. Yeah, I think one of my strongest things that I teach is confidence because it took me a while to be confident in myself and I'm still not 100% confident, you know, but I can fake it on stage. <laughs> but just, I don't know, just giving the students hope that one day they'll get to where they want to be and, and where they are right now is perfect for their age and all of that. So I think confidence is probably what my students learn most from me. Hey, and then so obviously uh, you don't just uh, perform uh, individually. Uh, so I believe you're part of the band uh, Cruising Heavy, Heavy Band. Is that correct? Yeah, just cruise, Cruising Heavy, yeah. Cruising Heavy, there we go. That's got a good ring to yeah. it. So, so how long have you been in this band and kind of what genres of music do the band play? Uh, this particular band is about 10 years old. Um, we never thought <laughs> that it would last that long because local bands don't ever really last that long. Everybody breaks up or they get mad at each other, but we always worked through our differences and stayed together. And we just recently had to switch our lineup because like there our drummer got married and then our guitarist has a kid and he wants to spend more time with his kid growing up. So like, he wants his weekends to be reserved for that because that's when we perform is on weekends. But uh, my other, my lead singer and I are still singing together. Her name's Angela. And we went to the same high school. You know, we weren't super close in high school. But when we got out, I ran into her at karaoke one night. <laughs> and then I was like, why aren't we singing together? Because she was actually in band in high school while I did choir. So I had no idea she could sing. And we've been singing together for almost 10 years or a little over 10 years now. It's a, it's, a, it's going back to um, like how you ended up going to Bethel. It's like sometimes unexpected things uh, happen. And again, you just, you, you sometimes just have to have the, the confidence to, uh, to, to take a risk and, and to explore to, to see if it's going to work. And obviously, Again, just like uh, the Bethel piece, it sounded like another thing that's kind of uh, paid off for you. 
Yeah, actually, we have a pretty big following here uh, in our town, and I don't know, we love doing it, and the pay isn't perfect all the time, but it's still something we love, so we get out there and help other people have a good time, too. And most challenging about singing different genres of music? Um, just being able to switch up the styles. Like you don't want to sing a pop song like a, an opera singer, and you don't want to sing a rap song like a country singer. So you just have to figure out the balance and the little tricks and tips you need to do, which is why I grew up singing, listening to so many different artists so I can see what they do with that specific genre. And then I switch it up myself. And is that something? Is that something that you uh, that gets easier uh, uh, with the more experience that you kind of gain through performance? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Um, I don't expect one of my students who wants to go from classical to country to be able to do it within a week. You know, it, it takes time, and it takes a lot of time for them sitting at home, learning their own voice and the things that it can do too. So like their little one lesson a week with me isn't going to do much if they're not at home practicing all the time. Going, going back to probably one of the themes so far of the show about take, taking risks and, and the importance of practice and repetition. Yes. Practice is most important. <laughs> Did you decide to uh, audition uh, for TV talent shows? So I believe you auditioned several times uh, for TV talent shows uh, before season 18 of The Voice. So what did you learn from your first attempts that helped you to be so successful in season 18 of The Voice? Well, actually, I auditioned for American Idol in 2006, I think it was, which it was the year Jordan Sparks won. And I got to Hollywood. Um, I didn't do my homework. I didn't know Catherine McPhee had just sung the same song that I sang <laughs> in Hollywood week. Uh, I do like Catherine McPhee, but I didn't really watch the show every episode that season before. I think Kelly Clarkson was just hands down my favorite. And I don't think I watched a full season since she did that. But I, you know, I catch them here and there and just kind of see the new talent that's coming through and everything. Um, but I had gone through multiple auditions and I had been told no so many times, or you're not what we're looking for. You're not the style that we want. And being able to do so many styles and having to choose just one that I wanted to present myself as is really hard. So <laughs> I had decided, I tried out for the voice three other times and I always got past the cattle call. I always got to the second round, but then it was just, you know, we're just, you're not what we're looking for right now, or it's just not time for you for this season, you know? Um, but then one of my friends knew one of the recruiters for the voice. So they have recruiters that go out and listen to people and look for people to come and compete as well. So I got in that way this time, and th all that does is just take you to the second round. You still have to have the story, and you still have to be interesting, good for TV. You know, it's smoke and mirrors, I guess. But I just, I was like, this is the last time I'm trying this, and it, and it worked out. You know, something caught their eye. Um, I did actually go into the audition as country, 
I wanted to do country or like country pop, something like that. And then the more they get to know you and find out your story, they found out that I sang opera. <laughs> so I did not audition with opera, but they, they talked me into it, I guess, because Kelly is who I wanted. And Kelly had been asking for opera. So I was like, well, yeah, you know, I, I want Kelly and she's been asking for opera. So let's try it. Let's be different because they hadn't had anyone sing opera since season two. So uh, I think Chris Mann was the last person to do that. So I ended up singing opera and got my chair turned, got on Team Kelly. Um, but I, going through all of the other rejections and everything kind of helped me through this and helped me keep a, a clear mind, too, as what the outcome could possibly be if it was negative. So all the rejection is what helped me. <laughs> Um, so, what musical and performance skills uh, did you learn in uh, developing? What did you kind of learn about yourself as a person, specifically from uh, the voice experience? Well, I learned that confidence is key with this competition. And I, I'll be honest, I was one of the bigger people. Um, on the show, actually, I was the biggest person on my season. The season before me had like three or four big people. I think had I been on that season, I would have been a little more confident. But being by myself and, you know, watching all of the other little skinny, cute girls getting to wear everything they wanted to wear. Um, and then I was just put in like, I don't know. They tried. They tried to dress me better than I did. But wearing black, I feel like I can kind of hide behind everything. Now, I was confident in my vocals. That wasn't an issue for me. Everybody there is good. You just have to be what they want that day, you know, what they're feeling that day, the judges. But I think I think wardrobe was probably my biggest struggle. And I would go in my room and cry at night just because I felt so embarrassed having to go through wardrobe because I wasn't happy with how I looked and things like that. And I knew going into it, I knew I was going to be on national television, but once you're there in it, it's totally different. So I think I learned a lot about confidence um, and, and just tell, talking myself up, telling myself I'm worth it and that I deserve to be there. Um, and I had great friends that I met on The Voice, you know, who helped me through that because we have to help each other because we're all stuck with each other while we're recording and performing and everything. So um, but yeah, I think that was, that was my biggest struggle. And I think I learned a lot about myself and, and how to portray more confidence. I believe you, uh, just released a new song called Punchline. So d did you write the song and what inspired you to write it if you wrote it? I did write this song. Uh, I had a co-writer also as my, uh, former voice coach, Tracy DeLeon, um, but I actually started writing it about a boy. <laughs> so I was I was just talking to this guy and we got really close. And then I'm like, what's going to go wrong? Where's the punchline? Where is the joke? Why is this going so great? And then the punchline ended up eventually coming along, you know, and that's it's something that I struggle with. I can go along with the whole confidence issues that I don't feel like I'm worthy. I don't feel like I'm good enough for someone. So I'm, I'm waiting for it to go wrong. I'm waiting for some reason to give up on the situation. Um, 
and like it says in the song, everything was going great. And then I finally, you know, hit the wall. And it was more about me. It was more about me self-sabotaging, I think. Uh, and I wanted to make it relatable. And I, like I said, I love country music. So I made it country for sure. Um, but it is, it's mostly a true story in that song. But I'm still friends with, you know, the person it's about. And That's good. we work through everything. And he was super supportive on me releasing it, even though it was about him. So it was, it was cool, but it was scary at the same time. And it's my first song I ever released. So that part alone was scary. Is it something that you want to keep doing? Writing your own material? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've always been a songwriter. I've just never loved anything that I've written. I've helped my students co-write some of their songs also, but I never felt like what I did was good enough. Um, but I do have another song coming out. I actually did not write this one. This one is more of like a collaboration with my co-writer from the other one. She actually wrote it with someone else. But I'm just, I'm the singer on it, and I kind of put the style into it. And it's another country song. And it'll be coming out hopefully in the next month or so. So we're just waiting on that to get finished so we That's can move forward with it. That's exciting. Yes, it is. So obviously, uh, we've just been talking a little bit about uh, Punchline and so some of the uh, exciting uh, collaborations that you uh, have uh, coming up. So is the intention after both, after this uh, latest collaboration, is it, is it, do you, do you want to uh, keep releasing more music and just keep and seeing what hits with uh, different markets? I think that would be probably the best thing to do for me. I'm still going to be teaching and everything, but uh, after releasing this first one, um, everybody just had a pretty good response to it. So it kind of lights a fire to want to put more music out. And I think I might keep doing that. Cool, and then just out of curiosity, uh, what type of demographics uh, currently uh, listen to your music? Right now, I would say um, early 20s to 40s, probably. Um, I wanted to kind of bring back the older country style um, and go a little less pop with it, so it would be probably the older demographic. But by older, I mean, you know, uh, middle-aged probably. Um, but I really didn't have a specific, you know, audience that I wanted to reach to, just to whoever appreciates it and wants to listen to it. So what do you do uh, kind of physically uh, and also uh, in terms of your uh, men uh, mental health? What are some uh, things you do to look after the voice on like a, a daily basis? I've always been uh, really big on vocal health since I was very young. I was taught, you know, it's very important to take care of your instrument if you want it to last. So I just kind of keep that in mind and warming up every day with my students kind of keeps me in practice as well. So, I mean, I just try not to overdo it. And if I know I am, I just take a little break and then it's back to where it should be. So so you're saying, you're saying that sometimes you might take a a day off doing anything vocally just because the voice might feel tired or it's not quite there? Yes, pretty much. Sometimes when I have a full band gig, like with, you know, all of the instruments, we do four hours at a time for a show. So it gets 
pretty demanding on the voice, but I also have, you know, my other singer with me. So we split the work and then by the end of the show, neither one of us are just too worn out. And so what's the longest break you've ever taken from kind of from music specifically to rest the voice and recharge? Because it is a very, people, a lot of people don't realize that actually how demanding it, it is, right? It, it's a craft. Yes, yes. Um, having said that, I'm very big on vocal health. I have actually uh, damaged my vocal cords before. Fortunately, it was something that I was able to bounce back from, but I had to take a whole month off for that. And that was two, three years ago, maybe. Um, I just, I, I was singing while I was sick and I knew I was sick and I pushed just a little too hard. And, um, so after that, uh, performance, I took off about a month and went to the doctor and made sure everything was healing properly. But yeah, it, it's, it's a scary thing to think that you're going to lose your livelihood if something like that does happen. So if you remember during that month, did you felt like there was a, a piece missing of you? Oh, absolutely. I just, <laughs> I wrote some sad songs during that time. I got really down on myself because growing up in music, it feel, you feel like that's the only thing that you're good at. And I know it's not really true, but I, for me, I personally feel that music is my calling and being without my voice, it was, I, I did get into a depression. I had a lot of people, you know, try to hype me back up and tell me it was going to be okay. But at the end of the day, I knew like they weren't doctors. They didn't know anything, you know, and um, I guess it's like a guitar player breaking all of their fingers at the same time or being able to not move their hands properly anymore or just like a pianist. It's a scary thing. Are there any uh, specialists out there? If you, if you if you go if you go through something like losing your voice from a musical perspective versus like going to see a regular doctor, does that exist? Oh, absolutely. There's a ear, nose, and throat doctor uh, you can go see, and they specialize in that. And they'll take a they took a little camera and put it through my nose all the way down to look at my vocal cords, and I had to be awake. <laughs> during that and it was ouch it was really painful kind of like a covid test but worse what's kind of next for you both uh, personally and professionally maybe the rest of this year and then looking ahead well right now i'm still working on my weight loss journey i just hit one year after uh having weight loss surgery so um, I really want to focus on that and get in my best health that I possibly can and then push myself and market myself and just see what comes from it. You know, music's always going to be something I love to do no matter what, even if I'm not successful, like making it big time or something. But, you know, I still have teaching and I still have, you know, per performing locally, if nothing else. Uh, but of course, I'm going to try and get my music out there and just see what happens with it. So there's no real like hard timelines. You just you're just going to keep doing it every day and kind of like see where it takes you. Yeah, no timeline. Um, if you put yourself on a timeline, I think that kind of stresses you out and forces you to put out things that probably really don't represent you know the best version of yourself, and you're just trying to mold into what you think you should do, but. Uh, if I don't put a timeline on it, then I can just relax and just see what happens as I go.
So for people uh, that will be uh, listening to this episode, what are maybe like t- two reasons uh, why why they should consider uh, listening uh, to Punchline? Uh, I, well, I think it's a very relatable song. I think we've all had the demons that I've dealt with, you know, with self confidence and always second guessing something that is good that is happening to you. I mean, that's pretty much what the song was about. It it wasn't to you know put anyone down, not even the guy that it's about, you know, it was pretty much about, you know, me fighting with my own problems and self-sabotaging and just waiting for something to go bad when everything's going really good. So I think it'd be a very relatable song. And then my next song coming out, (laughs) I didn't write it, but it's called Cheater. And it's, it's about, um, probably about people who are thinking, thoughts in their mind and they think that they're probably the only one going through that but they're really not and I'm recently married and marriage is a struggle for so many reasons and not that cheating has crossed my mind at all but it it has for a lot of people and that's probably one of the biggest reasons why marriages fail so it's just a song that will kind of reach out and touch those people who have dealt with that same situation but I mean in the end, you make the right choice and you take it. <laughs> <laughs> what a well-worded answer, you know? Do what? Oh, I said what, uh, what a well-worded answer. I just, I had to keep it, you know, very, make sure my husband's going to hear this, so. <laughs> yeah, I hope, he's gonna, I, I hope he's going to, I hope he's going to be listening to this uh, podcast episode, I will add. He definitely will. He's very supportive. And so, finally, uh, based off everything that you've been through uh, so far in your journey, what's kind of like one piece of advice uh, that you would like to give um, people uh, that are going to be listening to this? Personally, professionally, uh, more broadly, it it, it doesn't matter. Uh, If I could give one piece of advice, usually I like to push confidence but since i've struggled with that myself i'm really not the person to do that even though i'm still going to um but i would say to just keep going because you never know what's going to happen like i said i auditioned for the voice multiple times and then there was that one time that they finally noticed me and gave me an opportunity of a lifetime and i'm forever grateful for that so uh, all i can say is just to keep going if you love what you're doing um, don't let anyone make you stray from what you love. All that's left to be said is uh, thank you so much for being on episode 129 of the Tea with Mike show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. You're, wel- you're, you're welcome. Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening to uh, episode 129 of uh, the Tea with Mike show. Uh, uh, with uh, Mandy uh, Thomas uh, Moore. Um, this episode is all about um, staying patient, uh, waiting for the right opportunity, uh, but also jumping into the opportunities uh, if you uh, if they present themselves. Uh, thanks again for supporting the Tea with Mike show. It's the Tea with Mike show.